robots and restaurants aren't just on their way, they're already here, and they promise to change the way companies interact with their workers and their customers. Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, the executive editor of Restaurant Business Magazine, and in this week's edition of A Deeper Dive, I talk robots with Fred LaFranc. Fred is a founding partner for the consulting firm Results Through Strategy, and we talk about how robots, along with kiosks and other technologies, are already impacting the restaurant business, and why. Robots have seemingly been coming forever, but as Phil Frock notes, lower costs for the machines, coupled with rising labor costs and growing competitive pressure, have all conspired to push more companies in that direction. As a result, most large restaurant chains are adding self-order kiosks. Many chains are also looking at ways to use robotics to improve their efficiency in the back of the house, and investors are getting in on the act, big time. The robotic restaurant Spice just received $21 million. It has one location. The robotic pizza maker Zoom received $375 million. Other companies, such as Itza, are selling their technology services to other concepts. It all promises to make for a very different restaurant industry in the next few years. Now here's Fred LaFranc. Fred, uh, welcome to the podcast. My pleasure, Jonathan. Good to spend some time with you. So, um, Fred, I, I, uh, I've seen... Uh, there's a restaurant in Boston that is uh, pretty much automated. It's back of house. We are seeing more kiosks at more restaurants. Uh, we've got robots by the name of Sally. We've got robots that will serve you drinks. Uh, are we finally starting to see an era in which this industry gets uh, finally starts to get more automated? Absolutely. Um, it, you know, in some ways, it, let's consider the word automation somewhat separately mm-hmm. from robots. Sure. Uh, we've had automation for many, many years in a very subtle way. We're like the frog being boiled ever so slowly without realizing the changes occurred. So you can even start with something as simple as timers for fryers to make fries, you know, in QSR. That's a form of automation, taking a task from a human who had to be watching pensively to just get alerted. Uh, we see automation with kiosks now going to all the major QSRs. But the, what's getting the most attention are the quote-unquote robotics that are now automating manual labor in some way, shape, or form. So the restaurant in Boston referred to Spice with a Y uh, recently opened to much fanfare. Um, and they, in fact, uh, have really revolutionized the process by where you go to a kiosk, order, the instructions are sent to the you know robotic kitchen, so to speak, and the proper ingredients get taken over to a, a, a spinning fry pan of sorts because it's a kind of a tumbler. It gets dropped in there. Then it sort of uh, tumbles the food to cook it, and then it puts it out in a bowl, and then a human will take it and go ahead and finish it uh, and then put it back out. So they've taken a lot of the labor out. They still have the human touch, but it's but it's done as well. But then you have, you already mentioned Sally the robot that's making salads. You've got uh, Flippy the burger flipper that's making mm-hmm. burgers. You've got Zoom Pizza making pizzas with, uh, with robotic things. And if you stop and think about it, 95% of our cars are built with robots already. So if you can build a car, why can't you make a pizza? Though at the same time, even though I make it sound uh, kind of simple, uh, we know that food is, uh, you know, it's, it's flexible, it's fluid. Uh, it doesn't also, it's not like metal. So there are some more challenges to it, but people are slowly figuring it out. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I probably don't need to tell you this, but if you go to, if you've gone to restaurant shows for any length of time, you pretty much always see something like this. So um, years ago, uh, there was like a robotic fry machine, and people thought that all fries were suddenly going to be made with robots. You've had um, yogurt-making robots and that sort of thing. 
Um, and none of it really ever took to any great extent. What makes the current era different in that uh, it would be more friendly to um, some of these, you know, some of these uh, robots? It, necessity, that's what's going to cause mm-hmm. it. I mean, that's, it, you really need a confluence of significant trends to sort of meet in the middle. And so what do we have now? We have, one, a labor shortage. So you can't, mm-hmm. there's restaurants that just can't get people. So all of a sudden, the idea of a robot seems less weird if, if you just don't have anybody. The choice is I either have a business or I'm out of business. That's number one. Number two, rising wages. So big push nationwide, you know, fight for 15, which, you know, more or less is on 30 grand a year. Well, if a robot costs you between twenty-five to $40,000 as a capital expense, you pretty much match the labor rate, uh, which you're going to be paying, you know, some counter attendants or some cooks. And now the lines have crossed. So so that is part of what's really uh, happening here. Before, when the robots were out there, or frankly, even kiosks. You know, kiosks have been around for a long, long time, but now mm-hmm. they're really becoming popular because the lines have crossed and the costs. And, and that's really what's really driving a lot of these things, that labor shortage. And if you stop and think about it, the idea of paying someone $15 an hour to have someone verbally recite an order to them where they just look down on the machine and key it in with no value add. Now, granted, there's some service all into it, and hi, how are you, and do you want a larger size of fries or a bigger Coke? Fine. But a kiosk does it just as well. And uh, companies that are using kiosks, studies have shown that the order size is larger, which we have seen also in online ordering. So anytime a, a customer or a guest places their own order, they buy more. They can take all the time they want without being angry that it's taking time because if you're verbally saying to somebody and they're searching for keys, you're not happy about it. If you're searching for keys, you're engaged. So it, it sort of flips the script a little bit. Um, and then you don't have to have someone stand there and do it. We went through this with uh, ATMs and banks, and we went through this with airline tickets. And mm-hmm. so this is a natural extension of that kind of technological advance. Right. I've long felt that the the, the industry, the, the restaurant industry in particular, really needs to get more efficient. And if you if you look, and um, Hudson really always says this at the National Restaurant Association, if you compare um, the restaurant business with, say, grocers or convenience stores, we, it, restaurants pay far more on labor um, than either of those. And and while it's true that it's you know restaurants are fundamentally more of a service business than you know, say a gas station, it's still, you know, if these, you know, these, uh, you know, these industries get more and more competitive with one another, um, it's it's more important that, that restaurants have to get more efficient on the labor line because it continues to pay a pretty steep price these days um, for having such such an incredible uh, labor line. Yeah, absolutely. You're 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 right on. You know, and, and you know, I, I had a chance to spend some time with Daniel Ballou in New York. Um, he was actually a panelist on a technology conference, and I went to his restaurant the night before. So he was gracious enough to spend about a half hour with us, and we talked about Spice and his role there. Now, here's a guy who's considered one of the best chefs in America, who got involved with MIT grads on a robotic restaurant because he wanted the food to be good. He was intrigued by mm-hmm. it. So it was really fascinating to hear someone who you'd say, "My God, he would never." you know, submit himself to something, something being made to a robot. But he, he recognized that for a certain category of restaurant, it's essential, and he was not opposed to it. Now, he said, I'm not going to put something like that inside one of my restaurants, the, the, the ones that are Daniel mm-hmm. Blue's restaurants, because they're different kind of thing. But on the other hand, he does, he's ventured into fast casual, and there may be a place for this, because this is what the uh, Spice is, a fast casual restaurant. He's not an owner, 
but he's gotten involved in a very, very big way, and of course they attracted a large investment. So uh, you know, this, the, the the talent shortage and wage rising piece is what creates this real phenomena. Um, and at the end of the day, it'll be a better job for people who are going to then be required to do more skillful work that mm-hmm. requires some judgment, some discernment, some skill, some ability. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, there's an interesting study by McKenzie that said that by the year 2030, 800 million jobs globally will be replaced by robotics. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw that number, I said, this has got to be a typo. So I kept on, you know, searching for more reference points, but that's what it was. Now, this is global, and 800 million jobs sounds like a lot of jobs, but then, you know, a planet of a few billion people, you know, that makes sense. Uh, out of the top 15 jobs, four in the food service industry, um, cashiers, cooks, counterattendants, hosts, and hostesses. Um, how they're going to be displaced, they don't say. They just talk about the fact that these are the ones that are most prone for displacement by robotics, which is kind of fascinating. And as you recall, at the Restaurant Finance and Development Conference, when I had a robot bring me a bottle of water on stage, that was a runner robot that can be programmed to run food or drinks to a table from a central point because they memorize the floor plan, they stop if someone walks in front of them, so forth and so on, and off they go. Um, and that's, that's the, you know, you got so many restaurant companies now who are eliminating runners, they're eliminating bussers, um, and all it does is put more stress on the people who are left on the floor, where now you've got a machine that can deliver food. You have a machine that's outfitted with a bus tub that can take dirty dishes to the bus station. You're only saving minutes, uh, but those minutes add up to hours, and that's what we're talking about doing is, is greater productivity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on the other hand, one of the, the challenges, I think, it, it's especially at some, you know, at, at – at, um, you know, full service concepts and, and you know, and, and, and many others is, you know, again, this is, it's fundamentally a service business. And, um, you know, so if, if companies are going to add some of these robotics, how do they ensure that it's still, you know, that they're still providing some of this, you know, some of the service that people really do go out to restaurants for? Well, that's that's the challenge of uh, the balance between high touch and high tech, right? That's that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about. So I'm going to use an example, not so much robotics, but just automation of Chick-fil-A. Uh, Chick-fil-A, phenomenally successful company, you know, billions of dollars in sales, has a strong service philosophy. Literally teaches their employees how to speak proper English. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. It'd be mm-hmm. my pleasure, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I live in Charlotte, and so we seem to be the testing ground for a lot of these new technologies. That's where Panera Bread tested their, you know, Panera 2.0, and I see a lot of testing from Chick-fil-A around where I live. So I have three of them mm-hmm. within three miles in a triangle. And they're out there with iPads taking orders when you're, they've got a double drive through You don't, you know, theoretically, you don't need the iPad, but they're out there using iPads to see if they can increase throughput. And then instead of before you even get to the close to where you pull in for the window, they've got a quote-unquote cashier there in case you're going to pay by cash, not credit card. If you pay by credit card, they'll take it right away on the iPad. If you're going to pay by cash, there's someone standing there at a, like a podium with a, with a register uh, drawer there. And then when you go up to the window, they just call out your name to confirm it's you. You grab it and off you go. So at first you're saying, well, I don't know if this makes sense. But the more I thought about it, I said, well, this does make sense because they're focused on respecting your time as a guest. They want to minimize the amount of time you have to add with it. And what if you look at Amazon, Amazon took friction out of retail buying. Mm-hmm. And what Chick-fil-A is doing and all these robotics automations is taking friction out of the ability to order. That's why you have this phenomena of third-party delivery services with online ordering. It's removing friction. It's another channel 
by which you can order. And Chick-fil-A continues to use their service philosophy simultaneous with the automation slash robotics, so to speak, uh, to, to make sure that your, your experience is as wonderful as it's always been. So they're not depersonalizing it. Um, I grew up in an era where people, you'd pull into a gas station and someone would fill up your car and check your oil. Well, that stopped a long time ago. Uh, it hasn't stopped me from buying gas. I need gas, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about the airlines before. We talked about the banks. When was the last time you walked into a bank, you know, and, and didn't just go to an ATM? So while there's a transition going here, for those of us who will remember the good old days of, gee, I remember when a human being would actually take my order, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be missed at the end of the day. It won't matter if the product you get is of good quality, if the experience is, is, is delightful, if the, you control your own time, which is really the biggest challenge people have nowadays is a lack of time. Uh, you just adapt, and there'll be places that will still provide that, but you're going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be a one dollar. It's not going to be a one dollar burger. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's right. not going to happen anymore. Right, right. Uh, yeah, that's the you know, and again, as you mentioned, the fundamental challenge of the business is that people want cheap food, uh, but fun labor costs keep going up. And yeah. as many times, and, and I see this a lot, where people say, "Well, I'm willing to spend a little bit more for." Uh, for, uh, you know, to go out to a restaurant if I know that they're getting paid well, and sure, I, I imagine that you are, um, but, you know, we already spend half of our food dollar at restaurants. How much more are people really legitimately going to spend at restaurants? And ultimately, if we want our food to be cheap, you're going to have to, you know, something is going to have to give, and it's going to have to give on, on, on the labor line. Absolutely, and and the, and the lines are blurring. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at some supermarkets now, which really started by Whole Foods, um, they're all basically becoming you know grocerants. You know, they're, right. they're they're absolutely adopting that model, and it's not a, you know, like they opened up a new uh, supermarket by where I live. Uh, it's a new prototype. They got a full bar in it with a TV. You know, you know, beers on tap, wines by the glass, all that kind of stuff. They have a pickup station for what I'll call really gourmet food. This isn't, you know, I'm going to get a, a, you know, a roasted chicken or a pizza. This is prime rib night. And there's lines out the door to go get this stuff. So are they really a grocery store or are they just another food mm-hmm. outlet? Because the food is prepared just like in a restaurant. Same equipment, same stylization, so forth and so on. And, and so because people now don't really care. They don't. As long as they get what their needs are met, mm-hmm. that's, that's they're fulfilled by it. And it's all of a sudden one day some robot's handing you something. You're happy to have it. Yeah, most of the time, I I'll, I'll be honest. If I go into a fast food restaurant, I don't know how much how important it is for me to deal with the person. I really, I really don't. I I want I want it to be quick. I want it to be um, a reasonable price for what I'm getting, and um, I I want to go in. And, and get out now. If I'm going out for a nice night with with my wife, uh, you know that's something completely different. But yeah, if it's your wedding anniversary, mm-hmm. you're not going to go to a drive-through, right? Right. Hopefully, no. <laughs> I I would be in a little bit of trouble for if I went to into a drive-through um, for my anniversary. So, yeah, exactly. For 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 what's right. So um, I, I think the other interesting thing we are seeing you mentioned Chick Fil A, and I think quietly. Um, while they do have that service aspect, they really are one of the more innovative restaurant companies out there in terms of, um, you know, they are, you know, they are looking at automation, especially, um, in back of the house to try to make their, their business more efficient for, for their operators. And you, if you think of one chain that really has no 
real legit, no real immediate need to make themselves more efficient. You know, a, a company that does four million unit volumes wouldn't necessarily be the one, but they've been one of the more uh, innovative companies out there. But you also see somebody like McDonald's has been um, very aggressive on on kiosks. So as Wendy's, you're starting to see Burger King get in in and on this. Is that sort of pushing the entire restaurant chain into into this particular direction? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, all the major QSRs will have uh, kiosks system-wide within the next three years. You're also going to see more large restaurant companies hiring data scientists because while that's not automation, just the ability to sort of understand your guests better is going to become more critical. So there's a lot of interesting technologies that are sort of meeting in the middle to enhance that guest experience and promote loyalty because, let's face it, there's too many restaurants. Share of stomach is challenging, like we just talked about grocery stores. So anything you can do to get, give you an edge is important. I, I think Kava Grill has pioneered that uh, rather successfully, and it'll be interesting to see what they do uh, with their acquisition as always, how they bring mm-hmm. that thinking into that model. Right, right. Yeah, data is one of those areas that the industry really has not fully tapped in. I mean, there's a lot of efforts on this on this front, but it really hasn't fully tapped into the amount of data that they're suddenly getting from all of these mobile apps, from delivery, from online ordering, and, and, and from the, anything else. And it's going to be a really interesting few years to see how they take advantage of that. Yep, exactly. Right, right. It's going to be a probably a fairly major fun. So how do you see, what do you think a restaurant, let's, let's go five, ten years into the future, what do you think a restaurant is going to look like? Um, you know, I was asked to do that a while back, and at first I struggled because I said, "Well, you know, I can't. I don't know what's going to happen next week, much less in, in you know in the far future." But what I did is I started studying innovations that, when they came about, revolutionized the industry in one way, shape, or another. And so the one that sort of quickly came to mind was things like pagers. I remember when pagers was a big deal because in the good old days you have to put your name and just hang out near the front desk until your name was called. But now you had this little thing you could kind of walk around the mall if you're near a mall or whatever the case may be. And of course that went to cell phones now with text. And then you had even things like the kitchen display systems was it revolutionized how some food was being made in terms of throughput and so on. So if you study the impact of that, then open table came about when the internet came about. Now you can make a reservation on the internet as soon as on your phone. Et cetera, et cetera. Now we have third-party deliveries using apps on phones, the menu of the phone, blah, 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 blah. What I realized is things like automation, data analytics, these robots, so forth and so on. The future is here. What hasn't uh-huh. happened is it hasn't been commercialized. That's what we're going through right now. People are trying to figure out there's a lot of experimentation. So you have the Zoom pizzas, you have the Cali burgers, you have the spice restaurants, trying to see if they figured that out or not. Um, and then once someone sort of stumbles across the right formula, then you'll see a broader uh, adoption of it take place. And and then, of course, the next thing is going to be things like uh, altered reality, you know, the VR goggles, uh, which will become how we train our employees. You'll, they'll sit down, oh. put a set of goggles on, and boom, they're in a restaurant, and they're, they're learning how to ring up orders or how to wait on tables or how to greet guests. So those things already are here. Um, it's just slowly being commercialized and monetized in a way that is applicable across a broader spectrum. That's really what's happening. So right, I think right. that's what's going to be part. You know, we already know that because of the third-party deliveries that some of the square footage of restaurants may be ad- adapted so they have smaller dining rooms, while the back-of-the-house staging areas are going to be larger. There are separate either windows or entrances for third-party delivery drivers. All these kind of little things are 
slowly eking their way into the system. We're going through an incredible process of creative destruction in our industry, which I think is a fascinating time to be in this business. Uh-huh. And uh, it's just very exciting to see how it's going to continue to morph. You think it's? You think it's? This is something like. Uh, do you think we're at the point, or, or we're rapidly getting to the point where where the, a, a focus on technology, or or certainly in in the limited service space, but but definitely in, in casual dining, where where having this technology or or looking into this is going to separate winners from losers? Yes, and I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you how. Um, one of the things that I always smile at is when I read in any of the industry magazines, including some of your articles, how someone proclaims you're going to go back to basics. And I always smile at because I used to be guilty of that kind of thinking, too. And the thing that people are not so much going back to is that they realize is the basics changed. No, nothing stays the same. The ten things that brought you here aren't the ten things that are going to keep you here. They shift. So, for example, you have to have delicious food, right? You have to have friendly, timely service. You have to have clean restrooms, blah, 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 right? Uh, and then things like, oh, I better have uh, gluten-free offerings on my menu becomes much more of a staple, right? Or things mm-hmm. for, for vegans and vegetarians, and that sort of starts creeping in because that's now the new uh, normal. That's what's expected. Well, for restaurants, being tech-enabled, and it's a very broad term, is critical, mm-hmm. And, and it's going to mean different things for different concepts, different categories. Just look at Domino's. Domino's is a tech company that sells pizza. Yeah. I mean, they completely revolutionized their model based on two things. One, they admitted what everyone already used, they had bad pizza. So they fixed it, right? Mm-hmm. Number two, they totally enabled their their workflow with technology, both in the in the restaurants themselves as well as through – they were always doing delivery. Pizza companies did delivery for decades. Uh, but they made it interesting. So if you ever order a pizza through one of their apps, you can see, you know, John put the pizza in, Joe's bringing it to you. But they've got like 15 ways to order a Domino's pizza, Facebook yeah. Messenger, Alexa, mm-hmm. on your phone. You know, the list goes on and on and on, all using technology, you know. Uh, so And all they've done is, is just make it, again, I'm going to use the word frictionless, so it makes it easier to do business with them. So restaurants who figure this out, for their concept, be it casual dining, fast casual, QSR, fine dining, will begin to do those kind of things. Have you been in a restaurant that has a wine list on an iPad? Yeah. You know, you know that's, yeah. that's a good example. That's technology. Sure. Now, it's not revolutionary, but it makes it interesting. I remember when that was done in Vegas for the first time years ago on a tablet. It was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I had a tablet. I could scroll through thousands of lives. Charlie Palmer's restaurant. You know, where they had the, the wine uh, towers where the, the women climb up and down to mm-hmm. get the bottles. You know, so again, another example, that, that wine cooler was technology. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like technology because it's not a computer, but it is technology. And they sort of married it in a very clever way and it made it very distinctive. So those are the kind of things that will be happening as the price of entry keeps on shifting year after year after year. What makes it more challenging for restaurants is, one, keeping up with the things that are price of entry, and then, two, finding new ways to differentiate differentiate yourself away from your competitors. That's hard. Right. Yeah, right. And I, I, th- I think Domino's has sort of proven out the idea that you can use these efficiencies. You can use these things, efficiencies as sort of a base of, for marketing, um, for, right. for sort of advertising your brand. They were able to get generate some pretty substantial sales growth for a long time um, based purely on Little things, you know, that you mentioned, you know, Facebook ordering, ordering on a television, ordering on a watch, ordering on your car, that sort of thing. Um, and so they've, 
proven proven it out that if you 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 market these abilities, people um, people will will start using them and and will will go to your brand. It's as much a marketing thing as as it is anything else. So it, it's definitely probably the most tech savvy brand that we have um, in the space. Well, and I, and I think I, let's go back to Panera Bread. So I mentioned mm-hmm. that. The Panera 2.0 was being tested in Charlotte, where I lived. Well, that, that's when they first came up with the kiosks, the self-ordering kiosks. Right. And you'd walk in, and you'd see the boomers standing in line by the cashier talking to human beings as they were trying to do since childhood at McDonald's. Sure. And you saw the Gen Xers and Millennials going over to the kiosks. And that was a very that was a significant divide at first. Now you go in there, you don't see that generational split anymore. They've rationalized mm-hmm. it. Now you've got boomers at the kiosk. They get it. They, they've learned how to do that. Because they found out that their previous order is stored in there, so they repeat it all from scratch. So you just you, you log in, swipe your credit card, they recognize who you are. You want the same as last time? Boom! Yes, done. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My food's being cooked. And so those are the kind of things that people will figure out over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we figured we've uh, figured out uh, you know we figured out grocery stores and we figured out um, you know we figured out how to use these tablets and. Um, you know, over time, I think people um, will will figure out how to use these uh, these kiosks at restaurants and 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 some of this other technology. Right, and I think it's going to be more interesting. I mean, there's a I didn't show it at my, when I when you saw me speak at the finance conference, but there's a French restaurant that uses the tabletop as a screen, and so hmm. they project a movie onto the onto the table before your food arrives which ties into whatever it is that you order, which is kind of clever. There are other restaurants that the wall, ceilings, floor, everything's a giant video monitor. And so for every course, you could be sitting in the Sahara Desert for one course, and next one you're sitting in the rainforest to create a multi-sensory experience. So we've only begun to tap the surface of the innovation and creativity that this is going to allow us to do. Right, right. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned dominoes. Dominoes and, and, uh, and, and chains like Wingstop are looking at um, digitizing their telephone orders, um, which is, you know, again, another, another way that technology is creeping into areas where even, even the most stubborn people, and to be honest, I don't know why anybody's calling into a Domino's today. I just, I, I fail to understand it, but. Well, some do. But, but, I mean, you know the second, but, it's, but yeah, voice, voice recognition is getting bigger and bigger. There are companies right. are now beginning to do voice. In fact, it's interesting. They're testing drive-through lanes where it's obviously you're talking to somebody, but it might be a chatbot you're talking with. Mm-hmm. They recognize what you're saying and it's taking the order. It's not a human interactive. Chatbots is another innovation that's coming online mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Right. Right. Yeah. So very interesting time in the restaurant space. Yes, I agree. So, sir, uh, thank you very much for, for joining me this week on the podcast. This was fantastic. My pleasure, and look forward to uh, seeing you again soon. You have a good holiday. A Deeper Dive was edited by Kimberly Colley. Artwork by Sarah Stewart and Nico Hines. Contributors to this podcast include Sarah Rushworth, Heather Lally, Pat Kobe, and Peter Romeo. You can find this and other episodes on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash podcast. You may also find them on iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host and podcast producer. Thank you for listening.